When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's episode 17 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. This week, I've got the patriarch of the famous Knight family, Mr. Ricky Knight Sr. on the line. We talk about how he got his start in the business, the styles of wrestling he likes, what styles he doesn't like. We also talk about the film Fight My Family that did so well at the box office and has pulled in big numbers on Netflix in more recent times. It was a pleasure to get Ricky on. We talk about the family. We talk about his promotion war, World Association of Wrestling. We get through quite a lot of topics this week, so it was a joy to get him on. So here we are, episode 17, with the patriarch of the world-famous wrestling family, Ricky Knight Sr. Thank you very much and enjoy. Hello and a warm welcome to my guest for today's episode of Shoes Wrestling Podcast. It is the patriarch of the world-famous Knight family, and especially famous in the UK, Mr. Ricky Knight. How's it going, Ricky? I'm good, Stu. How are you, buddy? Fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Uh, absolute, I'll keep saying this, absolute pleasure to have, have you on. I'm a massive wrestling fan, and I've watched all your stuff with the family for many, many years, so it's just an absolute... I've just made it beyond words, mate. Beyond words, what, what I could say. Uh, my pleasure, buddy. Uh, let's, let's get this out there and uh, have a good chat. See what's going on, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Now, Ricky, when did you first start watching wrestling? I always open with this question with the guests. Right, let me think. Cause it's, uh, that would be when I was oh, very young man. I was going my big brother to Potter's Bar uh, years ago in Hemlipston. I was doing running coaching. My brother used to take me and said it's a uh, long, long time ago. Jackie Palo would have went sort of people. And, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, cool. Well, must be 50 years ago now. I first started watching it, maybe even more. How did how did you get your start in the business? How did that come about? Well, what it was, I used to uh, run, I used to run doors all over the country. I used to be uh, a uh, what do you call it, agency for doormen, and uh, I used to run a place in King's Lane called Champs Nightclub, which was uh, a very tough place. It was like down a Bay Route every Saturday night. It was a real tough, tough place. And uh, we are very, very uh, uh, strict on who we let in. Well, so one particular night, I was at the head of the door, which was my job, and all these guys come up, and these cauliflower ears, black noses, wanted to come, come in, and I was very dubious about it. But then they said they were 
wrestlers and they've been uh, wrestling at the King King Court Exchange. So I thought, well, these are fighting men for a living. Actually, cause that's no great. So I let them in. And about two minutes later, I was approached by a guy called Jimmy Ocean, who was uh, wrestling at the time. He was a lightweight up there with uh, Johnny Saint and all them sort of guys. Stevie Gray was part of that pack. And uh, he made a beeline for me, started talking to me, and asked me, you know, by the end of the night, he asked me if I'd been wrestling and that. And I played football and stuff like that. So I was a bit of a, you know, I lost what to do with these. And uh, I said, well, I'll think about it. About two weeks later, I went to about a friend's in Norwich, and uh, he was Jimmy Ocean. He was lodging at this person's place. So uh, sometimes in life, I believe that Peter, and as I said, Jimmy said to me, he was just going training at the Norwich Corn Exchange, which is then run by Brian Dixon, and that he was going down there some training. Would I be interested in going? So I said, yeah, I'll. Just nip home, get some training gear, and I'll meet you down there. This is what we've done. And by the end of the session, Jimmy said, Look, mate, you're a bit of a natural. Would you, would you like to come to business and give it a go? So Jimmy then trained me for 18 months, and uh, I, I then debuted 18 months later. And with the second month, we were top of the bill as a, as a tag team called the Superflies. So that's how it all started, really. That was, that was a quick turnaround, that, from training to, to you know, fully-fledged wrestler. Well, the thing was, well, pretty lucky, as I said, because, uh, you know, you hear a lot of the old horror stories when it's like a couple of business and then but when I've done that, you've got to remember, Jimmy's already established, he was wrestling for the lightweight championship and stuff. So it's pretty good, and uh, Brian Dixon was um, very uh, futuristic, and, you know, he was more ahead of his time, and uh, me and Jimmy were that, and uh, when Brian mentioned that, I was going to say, too, and I got all this outrageous, you know, we dressed the same so people knew the supervisor in town and knew we were a tag team and everything else and uh, as I said and uh, in 19 was it 1990 we, uh, they put the uh, tag team title on me and Jimmy and uh, we never expected it and we, our careers is blossomed from there you know we's uh, I've done four or five years on the circuit and was tag team champion and it was a fantastic feeling because you got to remember in them days it was only uh, Brian Dixon and, and the Crabtrees who run in England and if you were champions then you're recognised all over the world as the uh, British tag team champion. Not like today where you got about 200 uh, different promotions and tag team champions. You were recognised all over the world as the uh, British tag team champion. It took the biggest honour that we could ever have bestowed on us by uh, how did I'm going to jump jump ahead a bit because you said like 1990. Now obviously yeah. you you had the 25th anniversary of your company Wrestling Association, no World Association of Wrestling. Sorry. So yeah, how how did that come to fruition? How did you form it uh, in '94? It all started when we won that title. You know, we got the title at Bristol Carlton Hall. The fans are still out. Real hot crowd, at the end of it, there was no, no, no belts, it's like, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, mate, man, you know, we, we just won the biggest prize in British, and, uh, you know, there's no belts, what was going on? So, over the years, we got more frustrated, more frustrated, because, like, you know, I was saying, title matches going on first, and this, well, this is not our wrestling, but the You know, I'm frustrated, I'm going to start my own company, me and Jimmy, and my wife, so I start our own company, and, uh, you know, because I, I just think promoters lost their way at the time, and you know, wrestling was having 
a bad time at the time as it was. I didn't think it was helping much the way it was being structured at that, you know. There's no disrespect to Brian or anyone else. I mean, Brian's one of the most successful promoters of all time. But I just felt I could run things different and I wanted to make my own talent and uh, bring up my own, uh, you know, my own stars. That's what I've done ever since. We have a training school to be going as long as we can't be, even longer. We were training people before we even started a company, so that, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah, my wife, and that's what we've done, and uh, we haven't looked back. Who, who was, uh, who was passing through in the early times of the company? Well, I said we had people like the UK Pitbulls and uh, this guy called Brixton Broad and Bash, and they all, they all went on the circuit and they all worked with Brian. You know, in them days there was a structure. They would start off with us doing local shows, and then they Brian would pick them up for the call exchange in Norwich. And then you have the camp circuit, and then, you know, to be on Brian's roster in them days, it, it was something, you know, it meant everything, you know, to be on Brian Dixon's roster. It was the best roster, you know, in Europe, probably, you know, that was, um, so when our guys actually reached that sort of, uh, that height, we, we knew that we'd done a good job, and uh, we got uh, quite a lot out there, you know, and uh, my wife actually came from the academy, you know, Soraya Knight, yeah. she came from the academy, we had, uh, people like the girls, Angel, Sheena, Summers, who kept the women's division going when it was shut. There was no women's division in those days. They'd gone. Everybody had gone. And at one stage, there was only three promotions left. I mean, even Brian at one stage, so bad the business got. We were going out 30, 40 people every night. It's heartbreaking, but we refused to give up and uh, kept British wrestling alive. And at the time, there's my wife left and a girl called Julie Starr from Bradford. The only two women wrestlers left. All the other girls had retired and gone. There was no faith in the women's scene, so we kept it going. And then we brought in girls like Angel, Sheena, Summers, and we just kept going and going. And uh, so the business picked up again. And uh, that's how it was, you know. We just uh, loved the business so much, we kept going. And that, uh, I know all these new companies try and rewrite history that they were salvation, but I can guarantee you they weren't, you know. It wasn't just UK-based promotions struggling at that time, was it? You know, even as, as uh, I remember WWE around that time, they were struggling. Oh, yeah, I mean, industry in America, you know, WWE was still okay, but I mean, they, you know, it's just that uh, the industry in America, it like it was now, I mean, you know, there's go out 15, 20 people on the industry over there, you know. And so, like, it was a real bad place, it was a dark place, and we wondered once today if Preston was actually going to survive. You know, and, uh, and what happened, uh, the guy who was running, uh, Scott Conway, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, he's running TWA promotions in them days, and he came up with his massive brainwave of bringing over Americans, it was his idea in the first place, he brought over Earthquake. But the good thing that Scott done, he brought them over for two weeks, he didn't load the card with Americans, what he'd done was got Earthquake to pull the uh, crowds in, which he did, sold out everywhere, but he put all the top British talent around it. And people were walking away from the shows going, geez, we didn't even know these guys existed. We didn't even know British wrestling was still alive. We didn't know this. These guys are good, you know. So then he brought over the, the Bushwhackers and we'd done the same and sold out everywhere and stuff like that. And he started developing the scene again because people started to come back. And then uh, uh, Brian Dixon came back and he started to uh, come for his Scott and use these guys and the scene started to build up again. So... Uh, I always give credit to Scott Conway because, you know, he had a vision at that time, which he'd he done, and, you know, it worked. And uh, I, I credit Scott for everything in them days, and business was bad. I mean, it, it, that was really bad at that time. That I, we broke all the mould by 2001. We'd done a super show, 
Just like I think, what I take away from what you were saying is don't don't give up as well. Oh no, never give up. You know, it's, uh, you know wrestling's in my blood, and uh, you know that's why even now the British wrestling we teach in our academy. I never, I personally never want to see British wrestling, the art of British wrestling die. Okay, all our guys are on a traditional British wrestling base. Our trainers, obviously, they go out on the circuit. They might do other stuff. They'll work to the audience what they have to work to. You know, they want the indie. You know, Rip Rock, my lads can do it as well, but every one of our lads have been based on the American wrestling, uh, sorry, on the British style wrestling. So when they, you know, they can put on a British uh, style match anytime, the rounds match, everything. So uh, that's a tradition that will never die, we'll go where W's around, because that's our big thing about. We want to keep the art of British wrestling alive. To me, it's the biggest art form of wrestling ever. You've got to remember in the early days, we had all the guys, all the Japanese guys, come over to learn from us. We had, you know, the hearts come over and learn for us. All the top Americans come over to learn from the British guys. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a dying art. But as I said to uh, our family, we won't have it. We will keep British wrestling alive. And that, that's what we're all about. That's cool, man. The Americans, the Americans uh, love our round system, don't they? Yeah, I'd say if you get any top American, I wouldn't get wrong. We've used top guys who's come over for us. They love our system. They love our training. I mean, I remember once... Uh, uh, Scott Hall, you know, Razor Ramon, he said to me he's in America and he went to watch my wife train one because my wife did a lot of training abroad in the British style. He nipped in for two minutes and ended up staying for six hours. He could not believe the stuff that my wife was showing these American guys and, and they love her all around the world. That's where she makes her money, training people in the American, uh, British style all around the world. Australia, you know, she's been everywhere uh, teaching this style and as I said, people like you know, people like Scott Hall come to you and say your wife is a, a training genius, you know, you know she's doing something right. And she still wrestles, doesn't she? Oh, she still wrestles. Yeah. She's, still over, she's still over the world at the moment. She's um, still training all over the world at the moment. But, um, you know, she's, um, I just get very surprised that she's not using the UK more. You know, all her work is abroad. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the best wrestlers, women wrestlers outside the uh, WWE and you don't get uh, worked in Britain which I don't understand I find it very frustrating yes you go around the world to show up a talent as a trainer and as a performer and uh, I just think some of the time that the British guys you know promoters should wake up and see what they got before it's too late I mean she's 48 now her career's not going to be too much longer and I think the UK guys should wake up and realise what they got in, uh, I don't think they realise what they, how good she is at what she does in the ring and as a trainer it surprises me Ricky that she's, you know, she's not. I obviously didn't know that. I thought she was booked, you know, a lot over here. It's just, uh, it's, it's very interesting that, you know, yeah, she should have more bookings over here. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing me and frustrating, as I say, because, you know, she, as I say, she, she is, you know, she has her money, don't get me wrong. She, she does all these uh, signings in America, because they've got member outside, outside WWE. She's one of the biggest indie stars. Indie girls out there, and the promoters and the fans love her out there. So I just I don't understand yeah. what it's coming as not used to. It's ba- it's baffling, yeah. It's uh, crazy. Cool, cool that she's getting booked over there. But yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, 
other on the, the scene over here a bit more, as you say. Um, who's passing through? Who's passing through the promotion at the moment? Who, is there any standout guys for you? Or not saying that you're playing favourites, because I'm sure you like all the guys, but any standouts? Well, I'm just saying we got, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a matter of obviously we got Arcade Jay, you know, on, on the new lad on the block. He will be the next major star. We can like Junior, I'm talking about Roy's son. He's going to be outstanding. We've got uh, we've got a lad here, he's an untapped talent as well. I mean, uh, Brad Slow, he's been about the business 10 years. He's one of the best performers I've seen. And uh, he should be out there more, Brad Slayer. There's another lad, Alex Young. He is absolutely amazing. Alexander Young, he should be out there, booked a lot more. And we've got so many coming through. We've got PJ, our other grandson. We've got so many. And the girls scene we've got is amazing at the moment. We've got loads of girls coming through, you know. It's just, uh, at the moment, I think it's one of the best, uh, best uh, group of uh, trainees we've had a long time in talent-wise, to be honest with you. It's cool that the next generation and the family are coming through now as well. I've obviously seen bits of uh, Ricky Knight Jr. Uh, not 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 been to a show at this end, but he's obviously been booked on the shows up here. So hopefully this year I'll get out when when he's booked at this end. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a natural. You know, when you walk out the curtains, that he's going to be a, a star. He's got he's got the aura of a star already, even though he's not there yet. Like, you can tell. When you've got these kids or these young people that they've got this aura, a bit like my daughter Paige had, she had the same aura, you know she's going to be a star. There's a couple of girls now who have not even trained yet, but I can tell you now they're going to be money in, in the bank because they've got this thing about them. Uh, you, you can suss it, and as I said, we've got two or three of them at the moment, I think you've gone to big things, real big things. How, how about your boys as well? What, what are they up to? Zach, but Zach's sitting there now because I'm doing it from the office. And uh, yeah, Zach's um, he's breaking out a bit. Roy took a hiatus for a little while because he's uh, he's split with his wife and he needs to sort things out. But uh, Zach's done okay. He's just got he's just got a book in in Italy for a training school over there. I mean, Zach's another one. He's very gifted, like his mum for training. He's one of the most gifted lads I know. And the thing with Zach is he he's only 20, 28, 29 now, but he can be one of the lads, but he can still be a boss. You know, the lads respect him that much. He can, he can go out and have a drink with him one day, but be the boss next day and, and they'll do, you know, do what they tell him. So, yeah, Zach's very gifted in that area. And I think he's going to make a living out of that. And uh, since the movie, he's had a couple of movie roles. I think some more are going to come up for him. He's now signed to an agency there. So, uh, you know, his life's very good at the moment and uh, everything's looking good for him. Um, I'm, it's uh, as a fan, it's cool to see. I was just that, I was gonna just say about the film. Uh, obviously, fight with my family. Uh, I went, I went to go and watch it on the day of release, and uh, it was absolutely brilliant. Was waiting a long time for it to come out, obviously because we'd heard stuff. But uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, as I said, we were happy with it. You're always a bit worried about how they're going to betray you and everything else, and how they're going to betray the business point of view. I mean, we get ripped, you know, we get. Stick every day on the internet, so we're not worried about that sort of thing. But I'm more worried how they betrayed the business, but I think they betrayed it very well. Uh, they always say, Is your family really like that? And we say, Well, it was a watered down version of what family got. That's true. I mean, we come across as outrageous, and we probably are, but as we said, as well, watered down version of what family. Uh, we are more outraged in the film, but as I said, the film to me, it was. Uh, a good, it's a bit like Rocky. You don't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy the film. 
a lot of people who are not wrestling fans have written to me and said, look, we're not wrestling fans by any means, but we love the film. There's a great family story and everything else. So that's very pleasing that, you know, it's, it's, it's a, not just about wrestling, it's everyone's liked it. I, I, I'm not blowing smoke. I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, you do you do fine when it's Hollywood. Like you're saying, just going to your point, like watered down. But yeah, I we loved it. And the missus isn't a wrestling fan, but she came with me and she thoroughly enjoyed it. As you were saying, you know, it polarises wrestling, doesn't it? Well, that's, that's a bonus, I say, because a lot of people have said the same as you. I took my girlfriend, I took husband, and not wrestling fans, and they come away enjoying it. So we've reached a whole new audience. And uh, now it's I've had, I've had a lot of people messaging me uh, who've got Netflix, who, who stumbled across it, and they, they've enjoyed it too. And once again, they're non-wrestling people. So, you know, fair play. It was, it's a brilliant, brilliant film. Well, no, no, it's on, it's on all the air flights. Eh? When you fly America or anywhere in the world, you can watch all the film. So a lot of the lads who travel know nothing about wrestling or watching the film and enjoying it. So, yeah, it's, it's everywhere at the moment, and it's... Uh, it's good for us because it's it's drummed uh, up business for us. People now want to uh, uh, be a part of us. Want us to uh, put shows there. Want us to do interviews and uh, stuff. And uh, it's uh, it's elevated the Knight family to another level, to be fair, which is really good for us business-wise. Uh, do you get to watch much wrestling? Now, obviously, I ask people in the business. Some say they don't really get a chance to watch it because they're like you know in the business doing their own thing. Do you do you watch much of the stuff from America? I'm not a fan of American wrestling whatsoever. Right. Zach, Zach still watches it, and the you know, a lot of um, the family do in the younger generation. I mean, like, okay, Jane, they watch everything, the Japanese, all lot, you know. But um, the trouble is, I think, with me being a promoter and a wrestler and everything else, I live wrestling all week, you know. Yeah, yeah. I live wrestling, so when I go home at night, mm. you know, I'm more into just watching the sport channel, watching the football, watching me on the darts or something. I'm not really into it, you know. It's just, uh, I'll just, don't get me wrong, in the days of Hulk Hogan and that era, I watched as much as everyone else and I, and I, I loved it. And uh, I, at the moment, with this flip flop stuff, it's not for me. I'm not saying it's, it's not right, I'm not saying people don't enjoy it, but I don't enjoy watching it. I like a good old fashioned, hard hitting match with storyline and everything else, you know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's the sort of wrestling that I like. And it's hard to find out. I think the nearest you get to it is the, NWA at the moment, I think they're doing a great job on what they're doing at the moment. But that's more, that would be, if I did watch wrestling, that'd be more the NWA stuff, probably. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying what they're doing. Uh, just like the throwback style. Obviously, I know everyone's saying that, but it's just cool, the studio style of it. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's what people, I mean, all these big crowds, there's big uh, stuff's all right. But one of my daughter was in the uh, wrestling and, WWE before she's done a neck obviously we has got the shows to see her and it seems to me that the crowd used to go absolutely nuts when the side young take her down the aisle or someone come down the aisle and that was it once I turned the ring I didn't give a, didn't give a shit you know they're, they're looking for the next one to come down the aisle and they, they didn't seem to uh, get engrossed in the matches you know 
like all fans, as soon as we get in that ring, they're engrossed from the start to finish of the match, and uh, they're really old school fans, and uh, I love that. You know, they still live the uh, you know live the scenario is what we do with stuff. I'm not saying that, you know they still believe in it, but what we do, we we suspend belief for them. So when they go home, you know, I always say like a good magician. They'll do a magic trick and make a hotel disappear or a plane disappear. You know it's a trick, but you still walk away and you go, wow, that's fantastic. And that's what we try and do with our fans. I mean, they all know now what wrestling is, but we still want them to walk away and go, wow, they got me there. That was fantastic, you know. And, but I think with that indie stuff, you just see gymnasts going at it. You know? and it to me, it does suspend belief. It does see most storyline. And the biggest thing about like wrestling is sell it. Nobody sells it anymore. You know, I'll take DDT and jump up on one, you know, drag the snake wave that famous for me to finish up. No, people just disregard it and jump up again and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's really not for me. I'm not criticising people to do it because they're making a very good living out of it. But I still like the old school stuff. Yeah. In a nutshell, I don't watch the other, that sort of stuff. Different different strokes for different folks, Ricky. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. I was like, my grandsons, obviously, they love all the... uh, Indie stuff when they watch it and good 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 luck to them, you know. As I said, when you're on our show, you have to do a lot of stuff, but we, we, we still like the old fashioned stuff, but they're still making the names in other places, so it doesn't matter. Ricky, I've, thank you, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, that's no problem, man. not a problem at all. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've learned learned some stuff, especially back twenty odd years, thirty years ago. So uh, just thanks for sparing half an hour coming on. Not, I I, appre- I appreciate. It. I know you're busy with all the stuff going down. All right, buddy, no problem. Okay, catch you later, buddy. Take care. Thank you very much. Yeah, Bye now, mate. Bye, Cheers. Podcast Network.